0: I preached 1 Corinthians 13, I don't know how many times, doing uh, weddings and all that kind of stuff, and I, about, uh, I don't know, four months ago, I was, uh, James Carnell let us know about a friend of his that had uh, gone through and had lived this principle came up with a Bible study and a book, and, uh, and so he gave that to me, he said that the Hub was going to be doing this, so I wanted to preview it. So I started going through it, studying it, and going to my own word studies and getting deep with the word. And I will tell you, it changed me from the inside out. You'll ask my wife. Like there are times when you encounter God's word and it just it just does a, a transformation in your heart. That's what happened here. I'm so thrilled that you're here this morning because we're going to have a lot of fun these next six weeks and letting God's Word do a work in your life. But before we do that, of course, we have some business to take care of. What I'd like you to do is get into your bulletins and take out this mem- or this uh, uh, Green Connection card here. And if you would be filling it out for me, um, that's one of the ways that we as a church get to love you. We get to pray for you every week. And for those of you who aren't here, maybe listening on. Uh, the, the podcast or whatever, we get to pray for you as well and contact you and make sure everybody's doing okay. So if you're filling that out, if you're our guest here this morning, just want to say thank you. Uh, we're really glad that you're here. Just fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out and later on in the service, we'll all drop this off in the offering basket together, which will be good. And of course, we always have that free gift because everybody likes presents, and that's The Case for Faith by Release Strobel, and you could pick up your own free copy there by the front door as you leave this morning, if you'd like. Awesome. Also, you'll know there are lots of cool announcements. Um, This is the fall, which means that we have lots of things happening. Way too many to announce this morning. And so what I'd like you to do is there's this yellow sheet that's in your bulletins. You want to take that and preview that. Look at all the things that are happening. Make sure you don't miss out on anything. Um, Some good things. One of the things that I do want to just uh, uh, post here let you know that it's uh, starting here in this October, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff for our men's ministry. One of those is a men's breakfast, starting the first and the third. It's going to be the first and third Saturdays of every uh, month. And so we'll be right here. We'll be doing um, a really cool new study. So um, there's a little information there. We'll have some more on our website. So you can check that out. Good things. All right. Well, let's get into it um, today. Um, oh, and for your memory verse, you'll notice that there's a card here that has those. So as you want to sing that song you can remember. Also, uh, in the front seat pockets in front of you, there's a bookmark in there. And on the back side of that bookmark also has this verse, if that's a little easier for you to carry around. Stick it in your Bible and uh, put it in 1 Corinthians 13. And that way, uh, through this study, you'll be able to to find that. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's let's get into it here. Um, This is the passage we're going to be in. Love is patient, is kind, love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. In fact, I think even a better translation is it doesn't fail. Love does not fail. What an incredible guarantee that we have from God. Well, as we get into that, uh, that verse, we say, well, love is a lot of things um, in there, and, and it sounds all nice and good, but how on earth does it apply into my own life, and why should it matter? I mean, um, why do you think God would have focused so much on this one topic, love? And I think uh, for me and for all, I think for all of us is we recognize that when we sinned, uh, we became very selfish beings. And we kicked God off his throne at the Garden of Eden, and, we, and Adam and Eve and all of humanity with them said, we're going to do our own thing our own way. And thank you very much, God, but we don't want to serve you. We want to serve ourselves and have things our way. We became very selfish. And that is part of the human nature, and selfishness is the opposite of love. Selfishness is what leads us into all the kinds of of Disasters and fights and wars and a lot of things that we come up against because I have my own way and you have your own way and they're not the same way. And love is a powerful thing because God shows us an entirely different way of being, not just an entirely way of different of doing things, but an entirely different way of being. Love is so powerful that uh, really in the passage right before this, Paul talks about it's it's essential. As a Christian, life really means nothing without love. If you have your Bibles and in 1 Corinthians 13, in First Corinthians, he's telling the church really how to act as a church because the Corinthians were kind of not acting great. And he's showing them kind of the basics, and he talks about this. We could have it all together. We can do all the right things as a church. We can be disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus, but if we don't have love, does it matter? Look what he says. If I speak in the tongue of of men and angels, that's a pretty impressive thing. Spiritually, if I have all these gifts and all these powerful spiritual stuff, so much so that I can speak in languages I never even studied, I can even talk to angels. If I have that, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. doesn't matter what I say. If I have all prophetic powers, I understand all mysteries and knowledge, all right? If I have these incredible gifts that God's given, I'm talented. Right? I, I have all these things. I'm using them to prophesy and to do all of these amazing things for God. But I don't have love. Well, what happens? I understand all the mysteries with knowledge. I don't have faith. Or, and I have faith and I know love. I'm nothing. Think about that. We have faith to move mountains, do miracles even. As a church, can you imagine a church doing miraculous things, but out of obligation, out of self-righteousness, out of whatever, but not out of love? It says, I am nothing. There's a time that we're going to go before God, Creator, and He's going to judge our lives. Now, we're not going to be judged to be guilty or innocent, thanks be to Christ, that we are all going to be, those of us in Christ, uh, are guilt sin has been paid for and we will be redeemed. But it does say in scripture for those we are going to have to pay an account for how we lived these lives and what did we do. And we can say that we did all kinds of great things for him on this earth but if they were not motivated by love. I'm nothing. A nobody in the kingdom. Now that twists our brain, doesn't it? Maybe what God is after is something different than what we think is success. It says this, if I give away all I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, which is pretty amazing. You think about some, it's like they are very committed. They're willing to sacrifice it all, everything they own, even their own body. But I don't have love, I gain nothing. No rewards in heaven for that. You understand that love is a foundation. Every those things that are up there aren't bad things. But if we don't have love, none of those things matter. In fact, Jesus even said that when asked what are the most important commandments, and he says, love God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. And he didn't say all of the law is summed up in these two commands. He says all of the law is based upon these two commands, which means that you can keep all the commands you want, but if you're not keeping them in love, it doesn't matter. No foundation. We're going to talk about getting a foundation, a whole different way of being a human, a whole different way of being a believer. Love is what God is going to empower us to do. And, of course, then he talks to us, what is this love? The love is essential, but it's also a very practical thing. It's not some ethereal concept that God says to us. Love, and then we're supposed to like flout around like all kinds of like these little wings and be like little cherubim, you know, going around and giving each other valentines all the time. That's not what he's talking about. Love is a very real and a very practical thing. It is a decision that we get to make constantly. And he shows us exactly what it is. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of these six weeks going through because he tells us what it is and he also tells us what it's not. Love is patient, is kind. But then he goes through this section about all the things it is not. And we're not going to talk too much about those because that is your sinful flesh. When you start to become loving, I'll tell you this from first-hand experience. When you start to love... You will naturally become all those not things, because that's our sinful nature inside of us. Arrogant and rude. I was atrocious to live with. Insisting on its own way. That's exactly what I wanted to do when I started to, to really practice love and engaging in love. Irritable, resentful, oh yeah, ask Amy, right? Rejoicing at wrongdoing. You know, saying, you know what, I want to be offended sometimes. Even if the other person didn't mean to offend me, I'll nurse that. But to rejoice in truth, that that took a bit. So we're not going to talk about the way that our body acts against it because you're the thing. Love is an amazing thing that transforms us and overcomes those things. But here's the thing. God puts it in there. The apostle so Paul puts those in there to warn us so we know we're fighting the right fight and know what to fight against. But we're going to focus on a the, the couple of things, the very practical things that love is these next few weeks and that's first one is that love is patient it's a very simple concept what is patience i did a lot of good word studies on that Do you know that the greeks uh, when they started using the word that was translated as patient uh, greeks got to the point where they say patience is this it is just basically giving up it's just accepting the way things are so things are lousy be patient what they would say is just give up but Christ makes a difference, doesn't he? And so by the time the apostles start writing about patience, patience for most of us as we read in Scripture it says this, we're going to accept the way, things the way they are. We're not going to get upset about the way things are because we know there's something better. That We're waiting on a promise. But you know what? There's something even more than that. It's not just that there's something better out there. There's something better for us even now. It's choosing between... It's choosing between... Two different things. See, patience, if we want to say, what is patience? Patience is the opposite of impatience, right? And we really get to that point of of how do we understand what patience is? And think about impatience. How are you when you're impatient? What happens? Yeah, you get frustrated, right? And you get this, this, this anxiety in your gut. How do you stand when you're impatient? You might even do this or this. A lot, right? How do you sit when you're impatient behind somebody in the car when they're driving like a Texan? That's for all of our Texan friends, <laughs> right? Be patient with me. You go like this, right? You get you you get upset, right? You grip and and you, and you get tense and you get. You get this knotted feeling inside. And how do you speak when you're impatient? Loudly, quickly, forcefully, right? Do you say nice things when you're patient? God be with you, brother. No. Impatience is this thing. We all understand impatience because we live it in a lot of our lives. See, I've heard this over and over again, and I believed it for many years that you should never pray for patience because God's going to somehow just punch you in the face with awful things if you pray for patience. I will tell you this we already live in the prison of impatience, don't we? Is it possible to be kind and to show kindness and joy in the midst of our impatience? No. And we are an impatient people, aren't we? That's why we have debt, that's why we have fights in our homes. That's why we have all kinds of issues in our relationships. We want things our way right now. And that lets us know where the root of impatience comes from. Impatience comes from expectation, doesn't it? And therefore, patience is choosing a relationship over expectation. We always have a choice every single day. Every single time we have an opportunity to, to interact with another person that doesn't do things in our way and our timing. And when they don't meet our expectations, we become impatient with them, don't we? Because we have this idea that things should just happen like I think they should happen because I'm still king. But believers are set free from this, aren't we? We have died to ourselves, and now we live as Christ is our king. He's an eternal king. It's a profound and a different thing. We recognize that when we choose our expectations, we can destroy relationship, don't we? Somebody pulls in front of me in their car, and I choose my own expectations. I will tailgate that guy, yeah. right? I, I might yell, <laughs> right? might look in my rearview mirror, look at me, and be like, I will never hang out with that man. And then he comes to church, you. Right, he goes to the church, and then he sees me, and it's really embarrassing. <laughs> That's the way it works, right? Or how about this? You have a kid, and the kid's not doing what you ask them to do the way you asked them to do it, the timing that you asked them to do it. And you get impatient with that child, and you get frustrated and upset, and it's hard to respond in love, and you just yell, right? Because you're going to get your way right now, because you're going to teach them this is the way things has to be. And you create a rift in a relationship. You have that in marriage. Your spouse doesn't respond the way that you want to, doesn't get things done the way you want to in the timing that you want to them done. And you get upset, right? And because they frustrate you and you have all this tension and all this stuff. By the way, all that stuff actually does chemical things in your body that creates all kinds of disease and kills us. Which I think is ironic that impatience leads us to a quick death. (laughs) But we have this this thing and we have our spouses and our and they don't always do what we want them to do. We become impatient and so we react them, and we fight, and we destroy and create wedges in our homes. You have people at work that you work with that, your co-workers, I'm sure all of yours are absolutely wonderful. I actually have a great staff, but they will tell you that they, I give them lots of opportunity to be patient, (laughs) right? Don't do things the way, the same way all the time, do we? And if we choose our own way, we can just be demanding, and demeaning, and creating all kinds of rifts. But God has shown us something more important because you know what? All of those little things, whether or not my son goes to bed at 8.30 or 8.35, or if my staff has the bulletins done by this time or this time, all important things are my wife gets the house certain way by a certain time or whatever, right? All of those things aren't going to matter squat in a week, much less in eternity. But you know what's going to matter? The relationship I formed. Mm You understand that we have an opportunity to step away from our expectations and step into relationship. And it's easy to say, and it's very, very difficult to do. But that's what we're called into. Patience is this. If you want your definition in a very practical way, it's choosing relationships over expectation. And once I got that, I realized that I didn't have the power of myself to become patient because self-righteousness never works, does it? So where does this this patience come from? How do I step free from being this man that's imprisoned to my own expectations and my own little kingdom so that I can begin to choose love? Well, it started for me, and I think it starts for most of us, recognizing first that patience is a gift. Patience never came for me to begin with. I can't give away something I do not have. But I do have this because I was gifted with patience. This is what it says in the in scripture here. Second uh, Peter. Remember Peter? Remember what Peter did to Jesus? He was like all the time putting his foot in his mouth. Right? All the time. And then when it came down to it, like the night before he was going to be betrayed, Peter said to Jesus, I will die with you. And Jesus said, you're not even going to stand with me. You're going to deny me three times before the night's over. And he did. But then he was forgiven, wasn't he? And became a pillar of the church. Peter experienced patience. A way different kind of love. And God had right expectations of Peter, right? And Peter didn't always meet those, but he still received God's love. And it says this, and remember the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That was written by a man who experienced patience. And you know what? You and me, we're those people that needed to be saved, weren't we? Can you imagine if God, he could do this from heaven. Just said, my way right now, you don't do it, you die right now. He has the right to do it. And no one in heaven or earth could say he was wrong. He is creator. He is powerful. He owns us in all things. He could demand it. And which of us here just has lived a perfect life and has never, never, ever gone afoul of God's expectations of us? I mean, even still, I'm a saved man, and the Holy Spirit indwells my body, and yet I still put him to the test all the time. I have received patience. When I begin to really understand what God has done for me and continues to do for me, it changes how I perceive things. God has an agenda, an important agenda, a really, really important agenda, saving people from destruction, bringing Him glory. That's a a worthwhile agenda. And I stand in His way a lot of the time. And he still loves me enough to call me his son, to call me his ambassador. I even get to be a pastor in his church. You understand that we have received patience from God in an enormous way, showing that God loves us beyond just his own expectations. Even his are right. I have a gift. In fact, there was another apostle, Paul. Paul went out and actually slaughtered Christians. That's what he did for a while while he was still named Saul. I think it's cool that he changed his name, put a P on there because now he's sanctified. So we would know the difference. And Paul writes to his apostle, Timothy. And he says, but God had mercy on me so that Jesus Christ could use me as a prime example of his great patience. With even the worst of sinners. You get that. There's no one in this room that is outside the patience of God. He loves us deeply so much so that that he's willing to love us in the midst of our unloveliness he was willing to seek our good even opposed to his own god has given us each a hefty gift of patience and he says and others will realize that they too can believe and receive eternal life isn't it amazing You understand that we receive patience all the time. It is a gift from God. We have received something deep. And we will never ever be able to express patience to other people until we first connect with that gift. When we think that I'm just tight with God and I'm self-righteous and God's never patient with me, you will never be a patient person. But the more we recognize that we and of ourselves are never going to be worthy of God's righteousness and of our own, that we could never earn His favor in and of our own. That He gifted it to us. Thanks be to Christ. And He wants us to have it. It's not as though He gave us this thing because He's having pity on us. But He loves us. He loves you. He loves me that much. When I receive patience, I can be patient. You know, there was a, a woman named Mary who went to, to Jesus and broke about $50,000 worth of perfume in a bottle and poured it over His feet and and washed his his feet with those and dried it with her hair. The Pharisees were all upset about this. They were impatient with her. And Jesus said, you know what? To those who are forgiven little, they love little. But those who have received much or been forgiven much, love much. You understand, when God is patient with us and we recognize how patient He is and the gratitude that comes from that, that's where the power to be patient comes from. It starts with a gift, but it doesn't end with a gift. We always recognize that patience is also a fruit. And you think about fruit, how it grows on trees. The trees don't sit there all the time trying to form a fruit. That's not what they do. Trees aren't always sitting there going... Mm, bah, apple. Right? That's not how they do it. They don't work hard. You know what trees do where they put their energy... They put their energy into setting good roots to finding good nutrition and setting good branches and leaves to getting new nutrition. And the fruit happens. And love and patience is a fruit. In fact, we see that in the the powerful verse. We always talk about the the fruits of the Spirit. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You don't produce patience in your life. Can't do it. Holy Spirit does. And this is the kind of fruit he puts in there. Love, joy, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. I guess those things. There's no law. There's a lot of those words that are also in our verse that we're memorizing, isn't there? Isn't it amazing that God produces love in us? Now, how do we have that love in us? We receive it as a gift, but also we have a Holy Spirit. And we, there's a way that we can we can grow this fruit of patience. We have to set our roots in the right place, don't we? And this is what Jesus says, um, or actually. Yeah, uh, I have the verse on there wrong. But Jesus says, Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from its vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's from John 15, verse 4. I don't know why I didn't put that on there. but Jesus tells us how to grow fruit. We remain in him. Apart from him, we can't do anything. You want to be a patient person? Try to do it with any other religion. Try to do it by just becoming a good person and practicing all these things that we're going to talk about. It's never going to happen. You're going to be the kind of person that does all the right things for all the wrong reasons because you have all the wrong power to do it. To become a patient person, we recognize we receive patience as a gift from God, but we've also got to connect with Christ who gave us forgiveness and remain in Him. Recognize that our lives are no longer our own. That's why as a church we say we want to be disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. There is no building disciples unless we first are disciples and connecting with Christ daily, regularly. Our relationship with God is the thing that that empowers us. the Holy Spirit inside of us. When we have that loving, close relationship, that's where patience comes from. That's where transformation comes from. Patience is a fruit. So so hear me all the way through this whole this whole series. There are going to be a lot of examples, very practically, of how we can practice patience and, and love in our lives. None of those things will change you if you're not connected to the Lord. None of those things will have any power if you don't recognize that they first came from God. We can only give what we have received. And God is the one that grows us in us. But since it is a fruit, and because... It comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Patience is something that we can enjoy, and it's a freedom. I have discovered in the last few months a freedom that I had not had ever in my life. I, uh, those of you who have been to Safeway or work at Safeway <laughs> will understand this very much. It is an opportunity for patience, isn't it? <laughs> right? It is. And I will tell you that I used to dread, dread. Red going there in the summertime. You go pick up prescriptions and go and buy things and you have to wait forever. And there's never... Wa- People are always in my way. Because my expectation was to go and to get my rice milk and to leave. Just do it fast. And it's never fast. And parking and all. Oh, right? It has been... My little opportunity to see God work in me. Because when I started this couple months ago, I had the most atrocious attitude going there. And you try to be nice to folks. I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to be nice, right? So I go in there, and people talk to me, and I just want to get my milk and go home. And you like, oh, it's good to see you. All right, fantastic. Oh, it's great to see you, too, and fantastic. And, right? and I would have the worst attitude, just the worst and stinkiest attitude and I was impatient and hard to be nice to folks as they, as they came to me, or especially with the folks that work there, right? And to be impatient with them and to do the things. Try to be nice, but, you know, you do all this kind of stuff as you're waiting. And when there's somebody in the fast checkout line that's like three grocery carts full of stuff, you know, like, <laughs> seriously, right? It's just attitude that I had, and, and that's just real, the entire time, I was punishing me, right? I was in a prison of my own impatience. There was no joy at Safeway. And there was no joy from anybody else there, you could tell. I enjoyed my time, you're good. You're, you're a spirit-filled man. But I tell you what, God started to do a work in me. And I didn't try to practice it at Safeway. I tried to practice it at home. But patience is a fruit. It just grows. And I've noticed over these past few months that I go and and I just don't have this weight here or this anxiety here. It's been a transformation that I've enjoyed. I have a freedom now to love people that I didn't have before, which has allowed me to see things which I didn't see before, which has given me opportunity to love people that I didn't recognize I had those opportunities before because I was imprisoned by my own impatience. I have a freedom now. And I'm still being set free. I'm not the most patient person, but I am on that path. And I will tell you this, it's been amazing. That patience has come over into my job. It has worked into my family. It is a freedom that that you just... You have to experience to understand. In fact, what it says in Romans 12, here's a man, Paul, talking to the church. He says, rejoice in confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep praying. You understand that people in the rest of this world who don't have Christ don't understand that passage. It makes no sense to them. Be patient in trouble? What? That's the time to be impatient. That's when my expectations are not being met. That's why it's called trouble. Right? Right? But we can be patient in these things. We pray. We know that God has better things before us, where he has better things for us now. And so we can rejoice in confident hope, even when things are hard, even when things aren't going my way. In fact, the fear of things not going my way becomes less and less and less because I start to realize that the world was never designed to go my way. It never has been. And I was the only one that was upset about that. You can be set free from these things and God calls us to that so we can live to the bigger things and the better things and a healthier life. Let me give you an example from my own, my own life about this. Some, some things. Um, one, I will show you, it was, uh, it was actually, it, there's actually several safe ways. I'm just going to point one out from there. Why not? Because I mentioned it before. <clears throat> uh, a couple of, of weeks ago, my wife... Um, uh, was doing was well and then she started to crash and there was some medicine that she needed and we called in and we said, okay, you are going to have this? And, and, so we, and they said, yeah, so we go to there and we go to pick it up. And I waited in the long line to, to, to go there and everybody's upset. You could tell, like the whole line, everybody's just there and they're just upset. And there are people on the side in that little bench in that little back room that they stick you when they don't have your stuff. There are people in there too, so that's not a good sign. And as I get closer and closer, I recognize, and the poor lady that was standing behind the counter and doing all the stuff, there was a truck that didn't show up, so they didn't get their medicine that day. And we live in an area where, where, where you know, this is we have like an option, right? We have to go there. And so, it's this a big deal. And um, and so, this, this was massive because my wife's at home and she's suffering, and, and so I'm, I'm preparing myself for the worst. And I just sensed this, God working on me and saying, "All right, are you going to get her medicine today? No, no, I'm not. There is nothing that this person at Safeway they can do to get me my medicine. I'm just not going to get it today. It's just not going to happen. Right? I can be upset about that, or I can whatever, but I'm just not going to get it today. God's very practical in this, right? I'm not going to get it today. It's going to be okay. Did God stop being sovereign? Did he stop caring for my wife? No. Right? I wasn't going to change the circumstance by being in prison to my own anger by this. And I was about four people back in line, and I had this opportunity to really ask myself, okay, I'm not going to get this. I'm most likely not going to get this, and it's going to be okay. We're going to trust God. He says that he's going to care for us, and we're going to trust him. I'm going to trust him in this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm not going to get the medicine. It's going to be Okay? son of a gun, it's going to be okay. And I felt this like, well, then I didn't have to, to be all like this, because I was. I was. I was standing like this. I was just ready for the battle with this woman so I could tell her what I was, I was upset with. It wasn't her fault anyway, but even so, I wasn't going to get my medicine. It was going to be okay, so I didn't have to be upset about this anymore. I was like, okay, I could just put my arms down. Everybody else, everybody else sitting there, I had a freedom could just kind of shake it out be a little loose right i got an opportunity i could smile because a smile is a powerful thing because there was joy because i realized in that moment the very truth of the reality is my god is still sovereign he still loves us and will care for us and so my security was not based upon some pharmacy getting a truck i'm not like the rest of these people i can still have joy and as silly as it sounds in that moment, I was able to stop and to remember that there are bigger things in this life and I could smile. I was the one weirdo in that line that could smile. And I made it to my front and I talked to the lady and sure enough, she was very apologetic and all this thing and she didn't even want to look at anybody in the eyes because she would probably been beat down all day long. And I was able to look at her in the face and smile and say, it's okay. It's okay. You'll get it, but it's all right. And she handled it with such professionalism. She was so kind. I mean, people were really being nasty to her. And never once did she say anything mean. She just said, I'm sorry. You know, we'll do our best. We'll try to call. You she could, she could tell she was frustrated too. And to be able to say to her, listen, you're doing a great job in the midst of this. I just want to say thank you for doing that. We'll come back. I'll come back tomorrow. It'll be fine. And she stopped me and she thanked me. She said, you're the one person that actually said thank you today. The one, You know, God gave me an opportunity to love somebody. It's a small thing, but it's a big thing, isn't it? You know, later on, my wife ended up going to the hospital because she didn't get that medicine. She didn't. She started to crash. And you know what happened? The hospital took really great care of her. They did. And then actually, I was away on a vacation. Or not really a vacation. I got to go to a really great conference. And it gave me peace to know my wife was okay, that she was well cared for, and my son was well cared for, and there was a peace that I had that the Lord blessed me with. That's that's amazing what happens when God is sovereign in your life. But it goes to the thing, too, because at that same time, I was beginning to be impatient with my wife because I just wanted her to feel better. And it's so embarrassing to even tell you that, but it's me, Right? And she, I was going away on a vacation, and she didn't have her medicine. She starts to crash. she had been doing good for almost a whole year. And I'm like, really, now your body decides to crash? I'm not mad at you, but your body, come on. Like, why now? But the same question comes into my mind. Am I going to stop the crash by having a bad attitude? No. Is there anything I can do to stop this? No. No, there's not. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. She'll be fine. God is still sovereign. He is still sovereign. He still cares for her, and he cares for me. And his plans are better than mine, so I can trust it. And that was a hard thing to walk through, and it took a lot longer than it took me to walk through it safe way. But I had this attitude at the beginning of the week that I did not have by the end. There was a patience where I got to tell myself, my expectations were not being met. You're going to be okay, and I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to come back, and, and then you can crash, right? That's, that was my mind, right? i got enough other things to deal with. You hold it together, and she couldn't. And so I had this attitude, and I got to realize, you know what? She, I need to love her more than my expectation, because that's really selfish and pretty ugly. It really was. And so I got to say, I'm not going to change this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I can't change it. It's all right. My expectations don't need to be matched. That doesn't remove who God is. And I remember that He has given me great patience, right? And it's because of that, and I remember what Christ has done for me, and that He saved us from this world, and there's a much more real reality that we get to live for, bigger things, better things. Which allowed me to say, you know what, in this instance, this might be inconvenient, but it doesn't matter. Ultimately, in three, four weeks, a year, ten years, five, it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. But how I love my wife matters. And it gave me the ability to step beyond my expectations and to be caring and to not give her a guilt trip because she felt sick. But that's what impatience does to us, doesn't it? It puts us in a prison to make us destroy relationship. But I had an opportunity in my life because of Christ and the fruit that he's producing there to put that fruit into practice. And I got to choose relationship, not my expectations. And through this time, I've been able to love my wife in a deeper way. And we have a deep, better relationship because of it. I'll tell you, that that's two of thousands of illustrations. The thing is, is that patience comes into your life, it frees you. And that's what we get to be a part of. Now, how do you put this into practice? Well, if you take out your connection cards, there are ways that we could start. Some things that we can do. Patience is a fruit. Fruit doesn't grow overnight, does it? No, it's a process. It's a process. We'll trust God to do His part, right? You connect with God, you receive His patience, you get that gift. You you connect with the Holy Spirit, patience will grow. It will grow. It's what's going to happen. It will take time. So, be patient with yourself. Don't have bad expectations with yourself. You're going to walk out of here this morning and just magically have freedom from impatience. It's not going to happen. But I will tell you this. You start loving and choosing love. You start connecting with Christ and remembering what He's done with you and start to put it to your your life, the practice of patience. That fruit's going to grow. That fruit's going to grow. You start choosing relationship over your expectations because of God and what He's done with you. It's going to change you. And here are some opportunities to have that happen. The first one is you take out your connection card on the back side. Maybe this is to, to memorize 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 8. We gave you a nifty song. We've given you a nice little uh, bookmark and a memory verse card. We're serious about this, by the way. Uh, go and sing that song. We're going to every week. We're going to get through it. But you say, you know what? I'm going to start memorizing that because that's how it began with me. Meditating on the word. Letting it tell me, okay, this is what God does for us. Let that word do something awesome in you. Maybe you say, I'm going to start memorizing that verse. And if you can't remember the, the tune of it or whatever, that you could call the church. I'm sure I can probably email you the video that we made so you could sit at your, your desk and you could sing karaoke and it's fun. Or maybe this, maybe you start to also read the whole book of First Corinthians. Why not? Hey, why not get scripture in context? Because God's word is powerful. My words don't change you, but God's word always change you. That's what it says, that they don't return void. So spend time in God's word. And maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to go in, I'm going to read that whole book of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to see how this all fits into the big picture, what Paul's talking about, about making disciples, and what it's about. Read it. Or how about this? Maybe you want to attend the next five weeks. Patience is just the beginning. Patience leads to kindness. Kindness is powerful. Kindness transforms communities. It's like nothing else. It is a powerful thing. Maybe say, you know what? These next five weeks, I want to I want to come in and invest. Not just to go to a sermon. Not just to go to a church. But I want to invest in God's word. I want to grow in love. I want to make this investment. And that's what you do. Maybe that's what your commitment is. Or how about this? Maybe to a join a, a six-week life group. Six weeks. Starting this week, meeting once once a week. And uh, for about an hour and a half, and it's going to be different than most life groups you've ever been part of. We're going to be going through different Bible stories and seeing how we connect and God connects with us. in those things It's be pretty powerful. It's a great way to get to know other people in the church as well as get to grow deeper in your own faith. And the reason we're doing life groups with this is because love works in relationship, doesn't it? Can you have love with you don't have a relationship? No, it's impossible. So this is a perfect time to connect in a life group. So if you don't have a life group, let us know. Um, we have some that are forming, and, and, and the life group leaders are making some phone calls and stuff this week, so we'd love to get you connected in there. Maybe there's something else that you haven't thought of, that I haven't thought of. Maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You say, you know what, this is something I need to do in response to love is patient. Maybe there's another commitment you need to make, or, or maybe there's just a, a prayer request that you have, because you know what? God loves you. He loves you deeply. Profoundly, eternally, and He's so patient with us. So maybe uh, one of the things you can do is let us pray. Pray on Your behalf this week. That's a great thing to do. Now, just a minute. We're going to uh, I'm going to close in prayer, and then um, uh, and then we'll have a time for us all to have a to come together and pray uh, as a, as a congregation. And then uh, after that's done, I want you to take these connection cards. We'll take our ties and offerings as another act of worship, and I want you to drop these off in the offering baskets uh, once they're passed. Later on, And then we have a really good time responding to God in worship. It should be fun. So let's pray as we close this portion and give it to God. Father God, we thank you for your patience. We thank you that you love us. You don't just love us temporary. Uh, temporary. You don't just love us when we do your will. You don't just love us when we're perfect. You don't just love us with, when we're all about everything that you want us to be about. But you love us even when we're your enemies. Uh, you love us even when we're in rebellion. You love us even when we're the prodigal and you stand at the edge of your property and wait for us to run home. You are patient. Father, we thank you for your patience for us that gives us time and opportunity to respond and to come back. We thank you, Father, that you chose a relationship with your fallen creation over your expectations of us that were right for our own perfection. But Father, I thank you that your patience didn't just end there. That your patience brought us to the opportunity to become close enough to you that that we could receive a relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. That he was able to pay our penalty on the cross and we had the time and the opportunity to respond to that by accepting it by faith. We thank you that you were patient with us even in the midst of our sin, even when we are saved that your Holy Spirit does a gentle and a consistent work in our lives, growing fruits of the Spirit. And we thank you for the ways that you show us patience. But now, Father, I pray, as a church, help us to grow in patience as well. Help us this week. Show us your Holy Spirit that's in us, the opportunities we have to lay down our own expectations and to pick up love. And to care for others, Father, even when they they may be annoying or they may not meet our own needs. Father, we, we want to be a loving church, not one that just does the right things. We want to be the right church. To be your disciples so we can make disciples. So, Father God, I may your love come on us in afresh. And let us practice your word in a way that brings us maturity and health and growth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, we get to preach today. We're starting a brand new series, Love Works. Of course, before we do that, I'd like to have all of our youth come up stage so we can pray for you um, and to release you to our Praise Place ministry. so all of our children up through fifth grade, if you'd like to come up, we'll pray for you. Do not be shy. It'll be good. All right. And Pastor James, and uh, all right a small class today. Oh, lots of fun with the kiddos, like one-on-one time. One on one-on-one time. All right, there we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our children. They are awesome, and we pray that they have a great time today at the Praise Place, and they learn about you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You want to pass James? All right. Uh, whilst they're heading out, um, if you guys wouldn't mind, take out your bulletins, and inside of your bulletins, there is a green connection card. You want to pull that out for me? It's a way that we can uh, care for you guys, get to pray for you every week, and for those that aren't here, it helps us connect with them as well, so uh, we sure appreciate that. As so we out, out, um, I give some announcements. If you're our guest this morning, want to say welcome, thank you for being here, we're excited to have you. Uh, just <laughs> fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out, um, and then later in the service you can drop this off in the offering basket. Um, If you are a guest, though, we would ask um, if you would let us know how you heard about us. And that's that bottom line here. It says, how did you hear about CCP? Really helpful information for us. Let's us know how we can reach our community and what we're doing effectively. And then, of course, uh, later in the service, we'll drop in the offering basket. And if you do that and our guests, we do have a a gift for you because everybody likes presents, and that's this. It's a Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. Great book, and you can pick up your own free copy by the entry uh, as you're on your way out this morning. So there you go. Um, Whilst you're in there, you'll notice that this is the fall. We've got a lot of big things happening too many to even um, go through. So there's this yellow sheet of paper, lets you know all the stuff that's happening at the church, and so that way you can make sure you don't miss out on anything fun. One thing I'm going to point out, though, is there is that in coming in October, beginning of October, we're going be launching some men's ministry stuff, and uh, we're going to be having our first men's breakfast. It's going to be the first and the third uh, Sundays of every month, and so um, it'll be at... Uh, uh, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock right here at the church. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, we'll have plenty of bacon and probably some other stuff to eat, too. And so, uh, guys, you are invited to be a part of that. But also, make sure you check this out. Good things. All right. Well, as you can see from the screen, we are started our Love Works series, and I'm so excited about this. I, uh, as a pastor and as a guy who does weddings, I have preached 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I can't tell you how many times. But... Um, a couple of months ago, one of the nice things about being able to do my plan my sermons up to a year in advance um, has really helped me spend a lot of time in the Word, and has given me a chance to really sit there and marinate it and, and check it. And uh, uh, Pastor James Carnell from the Hub, who was here last week, he came up a couple of months ago and said that uh, he knew um, some friends that had gone through this, and these passages changed their life, saved their marriage, their ministry, all kind, and their faith, uh, a lot of things. And he said, "I would like to go through this material." with the hub, with the youth. And so I got a copy of it and started working through it. And, you know, I thought it was just kind of like any other thing. I was just going to go and study it or whatever. But in so doing, I got a chance to really go deep in the text, do my own word studies, really get in there, memorize the text, start having it applied in my life. And I will tell you, it changed me. I don't know if you've ever had a time in the text where you, you spend time with the word and it starts transforming you from the inside. Like you step away after a couple of months of being with you or a different person. You talk to my wife, this transformation that's happened in the past few months in me has been remarkable. And and the thing is, there's nothing magic about it. It's just that I was, I had always read through these passages. I had always just kind of gone over them so quickly or just kind of assumed that I understood them that I missed out on a lot of things. And so we're going to take these next six weeks and I would like you to just join me in this journey of being able to connect with God and his great love and how that transforms us from the inside out. And I promise it's not going to be what you anticipate, but it's going to be powerful and it's going to be great, um, be a good thing. So the memory verse and also the passage that we're going to be spending six weeks on is this, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And, of course, you have that tune in your head, I hope, as you see this. Oh, by the way, uh, there is a memory verse card. I dropped mine. But uh, in your bulletin, you could take that out so they'll help you memorize it. But also in the seat pocket in front of you, there is a bookmark there that also has that in there. And you could take that if you'd like and put that in your Bible as you do your Bible study. But it's also an easier way maybe to, uh, to keep that verse forefront in your mind. So uh, make sure you help yourself to one of those. All right. So it says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, and believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things, and love never ends. In fact, even a better translation in that last verse is love never fails, uh, which is kind of interesting. But uh, if you look at this, and you'll see that it tells us a lot about what love is. And there's like a section in there in the middle that tells us what love is not. And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time these next six weeks talking about what love is not. We're going to take the time and talking about what love is, and here's why. That section in the middle, like when you start to love you start to practice love in your life, your sinful nature is going to come out, right? That sinful nature that started way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided they were going to be their own gods and choose their own way instead of God. And at that point, we became very selfish, didn't we? And we've all followed suit, and we all have our own little kingdoms and our own little lives and things the way that we like things done, and that's, that's what it's all about. But selfishness is the opposite of love. Right When we love, we care for another's needs above our own. Another's good above our own. It is the absolute opposite of selfishness. When we have this selfish, sinful nature that is there and is going to resist this every step of the way. And I promise you, talk to Amy, she'll say, Amen to this. Because as I began to connect with God's love for me, and had opportunity to begin to see how to become more loving myself and to let that love flow through me, my sinful nature stepped up. And every one of these things it talks about, it is, it is, uh, it is not um, arrogant or rude. Oh, I was a horrible person to be around for a while. Uh, it does not insist on its own way. Oh, yes, I did. Right? <laughs> Irritable, resentful, totally was. Totally. Rejoice at wrongdoing. You ever had that time when you're in a relationship with somebody and they offend you and they, you know they didn't mean to, but you just like the feeling of being offended because you want to be mad at them? That was me. But love undoes that. And I didn't undo all those things by stop being arrogant or rude. I didn't set my mind to stop being arrogant and rude towards my wife and my son and my coworkers and the people in my community that came by. It wasn't that I stopped trying to be irritable. It's not like I sat there, I'm going to stop being irritable, right, or resentful. Those things are still there because I still have that sin nature, but they are fading away. And it's because God's great love is doing a work in my heart and transforming me. And that's why these next... I think God put those things in there to let us know this is what you're going to expect. Right, as we go through this journey and you're putting to death the sinful nature, and God is putting to death the sinful nature in you, expect that there are going to be opportunities for your flesh to rise up and to be resentful and rude and irritable and insisting your own way and all that kind of stuff. Don't let it freak you out, okay? It, you're, you're human, but God is doing a work of love in your heart and your life, and so that's good. So this is what we're going to be doing, and uh, that's where we're going to be at. Now, uh, one of the things we notice with uh, love is that, um, and I think I might even be... There we go. When um, we look at love, and we and look at this this passage we're going to be going through today about love and patience, we see that um, God really camps out on love a lot in the New Testament. In fact, He camps out a lot of it in the Old Testament, too. He tells us He wants our hearts. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, notice what He says next. He says... All of the law and prophets are based upon these things. They're not summed up in these things. That's actually a horrible translation. But based upon these things. Which means this you can fulfill all the law in the world, but if you don't have love for God and love for others, it doesn't matter how much law you obey. You miss the point. Love is the basis upon which this new life we get to live is founded upon. It's not a new way of doing things, it's a new way of existing. And I think that's what God calls us into, a whole new way of being, and to live a life on love. Now, now love is an essential thing. Uh, Paul even talks about this right before the passage that we're in. The Corinthian church, by the way, young church, they didn't have the New Testament, right? And so when Jesus came, and they started applying this, and all these Gentiles and stuff started mixing into it. They were a mess, And they had all these things. They saw the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, but they didn't know what to do, and a lot of them became very prideful, and they got stuck in lots of sins and stuff. So Paul ends up writing to them and saying, this is what it's about. This is what faith is about. This is what church is about and the community is about. It's an amazing thing. And he gets to the 13th chapter, and he tells them this, which I think is so profound because it shows, at least for me, I had missed the mark so many times in my own life. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love... Now, think, just stop there. I think how amazing it would be if you left here. We have international uh, folks that are here all year round, right, working at different places. Can you imagine you just walked into a place and you just able to speak a language you never studied? Right? That you'd be like, I'm a very spiritual person. And then, like, an angel shows up and you're, like, you're able to, like, just converse in their language. No problem. Just able to do it. You were able. You'd be like, wow, that's a spirit. You saw somebody do that? You'd be like, holy person. Right? If I could do that, if I had that level of spiritual giftedness, but I don't have love, Scripture says I'm just a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. Worthless words. Great gifts. No real reason. Oh, if He goes to live, I have prophetic powers. And I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so I can even remove mountains... Think about that. Like on the church, we've used like when we look at what's successful in the church, we see a ministry, a powerful ministry, right? Somebody doing big things for God. And so much so you see that they're able to, when they act, you know, their incredible ministries are happening, people are being changed, all kinds of stuff is happening. And we would say, as Christians oftentimes, we look at that and we say, effectiveness, that's success. But he says, you know what, if I do all that stuff but I don't love, I'm nothing. That's a sobering thought. Because God has a different standard of success, doesn't He? God gifts the church and gifts each one of us to do great things. And if we put those gifts in the practice, things will happen. But if we don't do it for the right reason, are you going to be great in the kingdom? Not according to this. Or how about this? If I give away all I have, and I deliver my body up to be burned, that's pretty significant right great display if i'm laying everything down for god i'm going to be poor i'm going to give it all to god and i'm going to even sacrifice my body i will be martyred for him but i don't do it because of love i gain nothing you get to the kingdom and jesus would be like that was dumb right it's a powerful thing love matters And we talked about the last couple of weeks why we exist as a church. To be disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. And we can do that really well. We can come up with all kinds of great programs. We can do it on our own strength. We can go and we can do all the right things. But if we don't do it because of God's love, we miss the point. And it doesn't matter. Now this is... is, foundational, fundamental for us. God beckons us to a whole new way of life, a whole new way of ministry, a whole new way of engaging with people in Him, a life-changing way. But you know what? Love is not this like ethereal thing that's out there. It's not as though God says, love God with everything you are and love others as much as yourself. And then we're like, what does it mean? Does it mean we all float around, we're all happy all the time, shooting each other with little love arrows? Like, What does it mean to love? It's a very practical and a very real thing. I mean, he says this is what it looks like this is so you can define this is what love is like it's patient and it's kind it's not all that stuff that junk that we normally live with in our own lives but love is something that's powerful it can bear all things it can believe all things and we'll get to that one because that doesn't mean throw our brains out and just open our minds it it has to do with a lot deeper things than that or how about hopes and endures all things Love doesn't fail. It never fails. Can you imagine that kind of promise? To give ourselves to something and to have it in our life, to know that it's not going to fall down, it's not going to break. I mean, I that's so far from our own thinking, right? Can you imagine just buying something and having it not break at some point? I mean, having something actually work all the time, perfectly. Love is that. It's an amazing thing. And I've seen it firsthand in my own life. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Love is patient. That's where it begins. Patience. And I got to do a lot of fun word studies and history about patience. And You know the Greeks, when they used this word patience, the Greek word that was translated patience, they uh, um, used it to say basically giving up. It was basically saying this is just the way things are. And so the better you could just accept the way things are and just be like, that's it, then you can just move on with your life. That's, that's where they came to with patience. But Jesus changes things, doesn't he? So by the time the New Testament came along and the, and the apostles started using, we see it in the text and we see that patience is not just giving up, not just accepting the way things are. It's being able to be controlled and to not become despondent and despairing in any situation, not to lose our temper or anything like that, because we know something better is happening. We can accept the way things are because we know there's something better. And oftentimes we read that and we only think, well, there's something better in the by and by. There's something better when Jesus comes back. And that truly is should be enough for us. I am patient in affliction because I know that I get a brand new body and that when we get to heaven, everyone will be sanctified and there's going to be no jerks up there, right? Everybody gets long. And so I can be patient a day. But you know what? There's patience for us because there's better things for us now as well. And that's what he talks about. Patience is, is a choice. Now we have this. What is patience? Well, it's hard to describe in itself, but we can know this: it's the opposite of impatience, right? And we are all very familiar with impatience. You ever heard people say, "Don't pray for patience," right? I used to say that, and here's why: I thought that if I prayed for patience, God was going to smack me in the face with all kinds of misery to teach me just to give up and then to not care, right? That's kind of where I was at. So you "You don't pray for patience—the one thing, right? You're so brave. Here's the reality. Patience is the opposite of impatience. And impatience is something we all live with every day, don't we? The impatience is there. What happens when you're impatient? What happens, what, happen, what, what happens in your feelings when you're impatient? Stress, turmoil, all that kind of stuff. It just kind of works its way around here, doesn't it? Do you know that those feelings actually create some biochemical changes that make people sick and kill them early? I think that's kind of ironic, that impatience kills you early. Right? But it does. It creates all kind of nasty stuff in there. You don't feel good. What happens to your posture when you're patient? You look like this, don't you? You get all stiff and like this. You do miss a lot, or you might tap your foot a lot, like you're keeping time, like you're killing me, you're really killing me, like you're legitimately killing me right now. I can hear the clock of my life ticking down because of you. That's what happens. We get all What kind of words come out of your mouth when you're impatient? Are they kind words? God be with you, brother. <laughs> no. We say mean things when we're impatient, don't we? We are very familiar with impatience because we live in a prison of impatience most of our lives. Impatience comes from our expectations, doesn't it? Somebody else doesn't meet my expectations, and now I'm impatient with them. I'll give you a great example. You're driving to church. You're going to be late because, you know, we are so timely here, and we know that everyone's going to look at you, right? You're coming to church. Tr- Somebody pulls in front of you who likes looking at elk. Can you imagine? And they're driving along, and they're going super slow. And you had an expectation of going the speed limit, which is a reasonable expectation, on a highway. And they had an expectation of stopping and looking at all the elk, four miles an hour, coming to church. Right? You get there, we call it road rage, right? You get up right behind them, and you're all tense, and you're not happy, right? And you can't think nice thoughts about them, and you're like, right? And they look in your rear mirror, and they're like, that's a person I'm never going to hang out with. Right? That's the way it works. That's impatience. You know, we live in the prison of impatience most of our lives. We go to the grocery store, we're impatient. We call somebody on the phone to get some help with a product that we bought that doesn't work, and we wait and wait and wait, and we become impatient. We see people that that don't do what we want. We have kids that don't do what we want them to do, and we want them to do it. And we become impatient. We have spouses and friends and co-workers who don't do what we want them to do, and it drives us nuts. And we live in this way that it creates this tension in our lives and we, we say, you know what, you're not meeting my expectations and we kill relationships, don't we? Just like the guy in front of you in the car looks back and says, I'm never going to hang out with that person. We snap back at our children and our spouses. And we make our coworkers' lives miserable because they're not doing what we want them to do. And we see death of relationship all around us. You know we also do it with God. You ever ask God for something? Prayed? Prayed a lot. God's just not doing it, and you get upset with him. And you're like, come on, you can do this. You have all the power and all the time. Why won't you do it? Have you ever been there? Just me? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it hurts relationship with God, too. And patience is when we choose our own expectations over relationship. So let me give you a real workable definition of patience. And patience is choosing relationship over expectations. And that's a very practical thing, isn't it? And we see that it's something that God did for us, isn't it? It's it's choosing that relationship. When I come to that point and I sense the impatience and that prison comes up, most people in this world never have the freedom to step outside of that prison. They are upset and nothing ever changes, but what they see is relationships die. And God calls us to something better. He calls us to a freedom. He calls us to a different way of life. Pray for patience, because you already have lots of opportunity for it. In order to get patient, we have to start with this. You cannot give what you do not have. You will never, ever go through enough suffering that you become a patient person. You might go through enough suffering, you become a defeated person. A despondent person, a person that's just given up, and you're like, I don't care, whatever. That's not what God's calling us to. You can't go long enough with people and just smile and be like, it's okay, it's okay. I'm going to be patient with you. It's okay. You do that long enough, you blow up. And that's not where patience comes from. One of the things that I've noticed in my time with the Word is how often God brought me back to the cross, over and over again. Uh, that in my own thinking and in my when I was in life doing things with people, and I would sense impatience, how often the Holy Spirit would bring into my mind my need, my own need for salvation, my own need for for His mercy and His patience for me, and I think that was important because we recognize that that patience is something that God gives us first. In fact, uh, Peter, you remember Peter? He was one of the apostles, okay? He was the guy, he was a fisherman, kind of a rough dude, always putting his foot in his mouth, right? All the time not meeting Jesus' expectations. Some few times he did, but most of the time he was just pretty bold and would question Jesus and be like, fine, we'll do it your way, and then all that kind of stuff. And and then was pretty close to Jesus. Jesus gave him all kinds of cool things. And at the end of Jesus' ministry... Peter's like, I'm going to stand with you forever. It doesn't matter. I'll die for you. And then Jesus said before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And he does. And he feels so horrible about that. This is Peter. And after that time, God doesn't, Jesus doesn't come back and say, see, you denied me too. I don't need somebody like that in my kingdom. Jesus forgave him and said, you're going to be one of the leaders of my kingdom. Jesus was really patient with Peter. Lived with Peter three years at the end of the three years, he still denies him. Still doesn't believe him. But Jesus already had relationship and chose relationship over his expectations. And Peter writes this later on to us. He says, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. He can say that because he received it, right? It, Peter received patience from the Lord many times, continually. And he said, you know what? God is good in being patient. Peter, at the very beginning of his ministry, he was all about doing God's things right now, wasn't he? Let's just get it done. Let's just put you on the throne, man. Let's make it happen. But God showed him a better way. He, Peter was ready to just like, you know, let's just have all those people that deny you, Lord. Let's just get rid of them. Go on to your throne. Have your rule. But by the time he writes these letters, by the time God works in his life and he sees Folks, not for how they act, but for who they are. He's like, you know what? This is a this is a broken world, and it's filled with a lot of broken people. And, and God, He's Jesus isn't uh, returned yet, and it would be really great for all of us to believe if He would just come back and make our lives really easy because zap us to heaven, get to see everybody we loved before, and you know, dance around in clouds and all that fun stuff. He he recognized that we're here for a reason, and that reason had nothing to do with Him. And he remembered, you know what? God's patience gives people time to be saved. This is the heart of God. And he goes back to this. And he tells those that followed him, let's go back. Let's remember God's patience. There was another guy named Paul. Paul was a murderer of Christians, a a legit terrorist. His name was Saul, a real smart guy. Killed Christians. That's what he did. And God comes up, knocks him off his donkey, shows him a new way, shows him that Paul that was actually, who think he was fighting for God, was fighting against him and says, now come join my team. And Paul writes this to his disciple, Timothy, and he says this, but God had mercy on me so that Jesus Christ could use me as a prime example of his great patience, even with the world's worst sinners. Isn't that amazing? The worst of sinners. That's not the story of the the, uh, prodigal son. Was the father there just doing his own business, like not even caring anymore that his son was gone? No. I mean, you see that he's out there looking every day for his son to return patiently. And when he comes back, with the big embrace. There is no sinner, there is no person here, myself included, that is beyond the patience and the love of God. That is phenomenal. And I know that we all know that here, but the challenge is for us to let that percolate into here. Because once we understand God's patience for us, it does need to change how we see other people and how we treat other people. I mean, what is the bigger crime? Somebody pulling in front of me and driving slow, or me creating rebellion against the Almighty God? I have been forgiven so much. There was a woman named Mary who broke a bottle of about $50,000 worth of perfume and poured it over Jesus' feet and then dried, washed his, his feet with that and then with her own hair. And she did it in a place that was totally inappropriate to do such a thing. And all the Pharisees and the religious people around it said, one, that was a waste, and two, this is totally inappropriate. And Jesus said, you know what? You've been forgiven little, you love little. But you've forgiven much, you love much. Everything that this woman's doing is going to be remembered for all the ages, right? That's a great kind of love. Jesus was patient with her. And she received forgiveness because he was patient with her and didn't just demand perfection right now. You know, when we receive love like that, like Paul did, he said, you know what? I'm the worst of sinners. And therefore, God can be patient with anybody. And he was, wasn't he? He let people throw rocks at him, tried to kill him. He let people say all kinds of mean and horrible things about him. Right? He let people kick him out of cities. And did you ever see him condemning those people that, that cast him out? He says, pray for them. Keep working the gospel there. Those that were left, he keeps telling them, love this community. Love these people around you. Patience. He was able to give it because he received it. It was an amazing gift. He says in the end, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. See, God's gift when he gives it to us, changes us. But God's gift and his love is always dynamic. God's gifts aren't meant to just stay and stop here. They rot. When we receive God's patience, it flows into our lives. And that goes to the next thing that we need to learn about patience. That was a, a lesson for me is that patience is a fruit. Now I want you to think about fruit for a minute. When you see a fruit tree, because right now we're kind of like harvest time and stuff, you, like um, like pumpkins. Pumpkins are a fruit. Do you ever see a pumpkin vine out there just like straining away to make a pumpkin like eep, no, that's not how it works. The Pumpkins don't happen because of great effort because of the pumpkin vine. That's not how it works. The pumpkin vine does put energy into things. It puts its energy into setting its roots deep so it can get nutrients and water. It's setting its leaves out. It grows its leaves. It puts its energy there so it can receive the sunlight. Right? The, the pumpkin, the fruit, is just... It just comes from that. You see, the pumpkin plant was designed to bear fruit. It was made to do it. It just needs to make sure it's getting the right nutrients. That's all it does. That's where it puts its effort, and the fruit happens. Now, we have fruit. Jesus talks about it, and then Paul tells us a little about it. And uh, he says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I think that's kind of cool. Who produces it? The Holy Spirit. Do you? No. The Holy Spirit does. I love that. And this is the kind of fruit he puts into our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's just a list. I mean, it's the beginning, right? This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. You were meant to be that kind of fruit tree. And I love the fact that the Holy Spirit does this. Now, this is helpful for me because oftentimes as a Christian, we try to be more loving, uh, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient. You know, a lot of these things are in memory verse that we have right now, First Corinthians. You see a lot of those words in there? It's a fruit. Where does that fruit come from? Well, it comes through our lives. It'll be evident in our lives. But how do we grow it in our lives? Jesus talks about it. And I apologize I didn't change the, mem- the verse in the bottom. This comes from John. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, starting in verse 4, it says this. Jesus says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, which makes good sense. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Not might produce much fruit, will. Why? Because he's a good vine. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. Which means this. As we want to become more loving in our lives... You're not going to do that by stepping out on your own self-righteousness, your own power, your own will to say, I'm going to be more loving, I'm going to be more patient in my life, I'm going to do it. If you're not connecting to Jesus in this, it's not going to happen. But if you connect with the Lord, if we begin to really, like a good plant does, set our roots deep, set our branches out, right, so we can connect in the Word, connect to the God, the Holy Spirit through prayer and time with Him, begin to love Him, you're going to have fruit you will produce much fruit. That's, that's a promise. I mean, that's a great thing. But if you're going through this and you think you're going to do it as a legalistic kind of thing, Jesus warns us, if you savvy yourself, if you try to do this on your own power, it's not going to happen. Now all you're going to become is you're going to become a very, very self-righteous person, which nobody else wants to be around, by the way. And so he says, connect with him. And the fruit comes through. Patience is an amazing fruit. But once we have that in mind, that it's a gift from God, the reason we can be patient to others is because we've received patience from him. The power to grow in patience comes from God, our connection to God through the Holy Spirit who then grows patience in us. We recognize that we have an amazing, amazing ability, a superpower that most people in the world don't have. We have freedom when everybody else is locked. We have the power to be patient to overcome the obstacles and the realities that the most people only have, all they see and then they live according to that with their own frustration and stress and all the nastiness that comes to it, we can be free. And I will tell you as one is beginning to walk in that freedom, it is amazing. It says here in, in Romans twelve twelve, just to show you how amazing this freedom is, it says rejoice in confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep praying. When is it the hardest to be patient? When things aren't going your way. Right? Because you have expectations. That's why we call it trouble. When things aren't happening the way you think that they should, you have trouble. That's the hardest time to be patient. You stick, most people in this world who don't have God, you stick them into a trouble and you say, just be patient. They say, no! I have trouble. Things need to change right now. And they get upset and they kill relationships and all this kind of stuff. They are locked into that, but we have a freedom. A whole new way of life. And let me tell you what this looks like in a very real and practical way for my own life these last couple of months as I've gone through this. And uh, one, I'll, I'm going to bring up Safeway or the store because we all kind of know that, right? This is, this is a reality. If you live in Estes, this is where we are. And, and here's the thing. In the summertime, going to the store is not a joyful experience typically for me because there's not great parking, and it's very, very busy, and I stay in the lines a lot of times, and I can't find anything because they keep moving around. I don't know why they do that. And so um, I have expectations. I just want to go and get my rice milk and go home. That's what I want to do, right? That I want to get in, get my stuff, and it never happens. It just never happens like that. Well, um, we because it's one of the only pharmacies in town, we go there too. And, and a, a couple of weeks ago, I went to go get some medication for my wife. She was starting to, to tank a little bit. And uh, so I needed to get the medication. So we called it, called it two days early to make sure that they were going to have it. And then I showed up. I was going to go pick it up. And as I was at this line, the line was really long. It was like down by the donuts. And you guys know what I'm talking about. It was a long way. And, and there were people all the way through that were like this. They were just mad, right? And then there's those chairs that they have. By the, like if they don't have your stuff, they stick you there. And then there's that room in the back. Like if they really don't have your stuff, they stick you there so they don't have to see you for a while until you leave. You know what I'm talking about. That was filled, and everybody was just, and I was like that too. And the closer I got, because I wanted to get in and out. I had other stuff to do. My wife was suffering. I was like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to go home. And I just knew there was trouble in there. You could just feel it. And uh, I was about four people back in line, and I could hear what was the lady was saying up there. And the truck hadn't come in with the medications that day. And so they didn't have a lot of the prescriptions that people were supposed to have. And I have a wife at home that's suffering. And, and I was like really upset, right? And in that moment, I, I felt it wasn't like audible words or even like audible words in my head. It was just kind of like the, the spirit began to just saying to me, are you going to get the medicine today? No, I'm not going to get the medicine today. Is there anything you can do about that? No, no, I'm not going to get the medicine today. Are you going to be okay? I don't think so. Are you sure? Am I less sovereign? No, you're still sovereign. Do I still love your wife? Yeah. You still love my wife. Can you trust me? I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You're not going to get the medicine today. I'm not going to get the medicine today. It's going to be okay. I'm not going to get the medicine today. It's going to be okay. God's still sovereign. My peace and, and my life was never based upon a truck that brings stuff to a pharmacy. God is good; He hasn't forgotten about us. I'm not going to get the medicine today, and I'm going to be okay. My wife's going to be okay. It's okay. I'm going to be. Okay. I'm not going to get my medicine today, and I'm going to be okay. All of a sudden, you could sense like this this tension, this that. Stuff in my stomach started to dissipate and disappear. My shoulders stopped being so tense. I didn't have to just you know, I, I just started standing normal. I was like the one I was like, I could be loose. I'll be okay. They can't it's not gonna destroy me. It's not gonna destroy my wife. God is not off his throne because the truck didn't show up. I'm gonna be alright. And it reminded me of His goodness and His power and His sovereignty in my life that I have got such great purpose and joy that my God provides all my needs. He does, despite what the world may look like at times. I was set free in that moment. And you know what? As funny and as strange as it is, this is the honest truth, God allowed me to smile in that line. And I know He allowed me to smile in that line because when I made my way finally to the front, And that poor woman who was there, who didn't drive the truck that didn't make it, by the way, she just had to come to work that day and had everybody curse her out all day long. When I made it up to her, I was able to look her in the eyes. You know what? All day long. She never said anything bad. People were saying all kinds of horrible things to her, and she was just saying, I am so sorry. We're going to do our best to make this right. We'll stay up. We'll work late. We'll do whatever we can. We're going to try to make this right. People were horrible to her. To be able to, she was saying, she was just expecting, you could see the wall that was up, she was just expecting for another person, and to be able to look at her and say, you know what, it's okay. It's all right. We'll be all right. You're doing good. And I just want to say, I really appreciate how kind you've been. I've seen how you've treated all these other people, and it's been amazing. I've just been amazed at how kind of professionalism you have in the midst of this. And she said, wow, well, thank you. you know, the per- she said, you know, you're the first person, that's how I know I smiled. You're the first person that smiled at me all day long. Now, I left without my medicine, but I was going to leave without my medicine anyway, wasn't I? But I left with ministry. I began to see somebody in their need, and I don't know what God will ever do with that, but I tell you what, I was set free in that moment. I was set free. Let me take it a step further because my wife ended up going to the hospital because she didn't have her medicine, right? And, and it, the timing was bad for me because I was going on a uh, on a trip I was going to go to a church to go see how they do life groups which we we're going to be doing a lot of fun and I was going there and my wife's health was failing and it's been fine for 11 months and I had this expectation that she would be fine and she wasn't fine and then we didn't get the medicine and my expectation as hard as it sounds but the reality is if we're all real with ourselves we're pretty ugly on the inside you know sometimes you, you go into those feelings and you're like ooh that's pretty ugly I was like upset with her for being sick like your sickness doesn't fall in court in my schedule right hold it together when i come back home from the trip then you can get sick but i need you to not be sick right now i didn't say that to her but i did in my heart and that's exactly where i was at and you know how i treated her i resentful i made her feel guilty for being sick which is a horrible thing to do to your wife but that's what selfishness does i was locked in that wasn't i but when I began to be set free from this, and I realized, no, God is okay in this, and I need to love my, I need to choose my wife's relationship over my expectation, I began to speak truth and hope and, and caring into her life, support, which she desperately needed. And I said, you know what? Timing is lousy, but we're going to make it through this. And if you need help, you're going to get help. And then we're going to do that. And you know what God did? She ended up going to the hospital whilst I was away. And she stayed there. And it was a great thing because I didn't have to worry about her. She was receiving incredible care the entire time I was gone. My, my in-laws came up, watched my son. And he got to spend a week with his grandparents. It was phenomenal. And I got to come back. She was still there a little while, so I had a chance to kind of get my stuff together so I could go and care for her. You know, I was able to support her the entire time that she was gone. Instead of making her feel guilty for being sick, I was able to support her the way I was supposed to. I was free to love my wife. I chose relationship, not my expectations. And now coming through that, for the for one of the first times in a long time, one of these hospitalizations are always a big strain on a relationship. They are. Because they're expensive and they take, it just disrupts life. My wife and I have stepped through this closer than I think we've ever been. That's an amazing thing. That's the power of patience and love. That didn't happen overnight. I've been in this and God's been... There's so many stories about how I messed it up, right? Because God is patient with me and it's good. As I've been growing the fruit and it hasn't been there, but you know what? I'm starting to see some harvestable fruit. And it's amazing. And there is a freedom in life. I'm not afraid of Safeway anymore. (laughs) Right? Right? That's like an amen, hallelujah. (laughs) Right? I want you to join me on this journey. These next six weeks, we're going to find God's love and his freedom. And it will change you, too. It's an amazing thing. Well, as we bring this portion of the, the service to a close, gonna, we've still got a lot of fun stuff we want to do, but, but how do you put love into practice? It's a practical thing. You know how God worked with me as I got into the Word, I started reading the Word, and then as I was in the midst of the moment and I started feeling the pressure and the stress, He would usually ask me that question, Are you going to? Are you going to get there on time? I've had a lot of people in front of me that were driving slow. And that's been a real issue for me in my character because I would come up behind him and I would just be like, I've got places to go, right? And and I would stop being a loving person and God has allowed me to see that he, I don't have any more slow people in front of me but now I have more opportunity and I've been able to find peace even in my travel. I mean, it's in the little things and the big things. God started with asking this question when I my expectations weren't being met. He would say, your expectations aren't going to be met, are you? And I'd be like, no, they're not. Is that okay? No, I don't feel like it's okay. Really? Okay, it's all right. You're sovereign. And I would go back to him and who he is and his love for me and his patience for me. And as I remembered those things, all of a sudden the ability to start releasing that stuff started happening. And once I started to lose the impatience, I started to see other people. And, and that's where the love begins here's some practical things to help that process with you. These just come from my own life of how I started practicing this, putting into practice how to connect with God on the back of your connection card. Here's some things you can do. The first one is maybe memorizing 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. That was really a beginning point for me because how do you know you're being loving if you don't know what love is, right? This is a different kind of love. This is a world-changing, heart-changing, life-changing love, relationship-changing love. Spend time with, we even gave you a really nifty earworm, you know, that you're going to you're going to hear that song, memorize it, think about what it says, ask God to make it alive into you. Maybe that's where you begin. That certainly helped me. Or how about this? Read 1 Corinthians. It's always great to read scripture in context. In fact, that's really the only way you should read it. So go through it's not a long book. But to see how love fits into the big picture of discipleship and church and life in a messed-up world, read First Corinthians this week. It, it'll, it's, it'll be amazing. If you pray about it too, as you go through say, "God reveal this to you, how does this apply in my own life?" It' be amazing. How about this? Maybe we could do is attend the next five weeks. Why? Because love doesn't stop with patience. Oh, that's just the beginning. And it gets better and better and better and more and more and more powerful. So maybe you need to say, "You know what? I'm going to invest this time a growing and and, and connecting with God and and we're going to do this together as a community you know the youth groups are doing this a lot of other churches are also doing a a very similar thing right now you say you know I'm going to be part of this I want a revolution of love in my heart and I'm going to I'm going to commit to it or how about this maybe you join a six week life group why a life group life groups are if you're new to us we call our small groups just for six weeks why because love happens in relationship have you ever seen love outside of a relationship no because it doesn't exist Right? You, you, love is a relational word. And the best way to learn how to love is to be in relationship with others. So we encourage you to be engaged in one of our six-week life groups. Um, if, if you're not currently part of one, let us know. We'll call you up this week. Make sure you give us your contact information clearly so that way we can contact you. And we'll help you connect with the group uh, for the next six weeks as we grow in this. Maybe there's something else that I didn't think about. Make sure you mark that down. Or maybe you just need prayer. You know what? Our God loves us. He loves us so much, and it's been amazing to see as we bring our prayers to him, the stuff that he's doing in our lives, in our church, in our community. So make sure you let us know how to pray for you. It's a good thing. Later on in the service, uh, first we're going to pray. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Zach's going to help lead us all together in in corporate prayer. And then at the end of that, we're going to take our tithes and our offerings. I want you to take this connection card and drop it in the offering basket as it's passed. um, Let's just see what God can do. Some good stuff. All right, well, let's pray. Let's close this time together. Heavenly Father, you are good and you're patient and you're loving and you're kind. You're all those things that, that we, we read, like when we read that love passage, we know that every single one of those things applies to you because you're love. And, uh, and so, Father, we thank you that you are patient with us and that your patience gives us time to come to salvation, but you're also patient with us as you transform us. You don't per- uh, demand perfection immediately. But you've given us this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit who works in our lives and produces these fruits. Father, you've given us an amazing blessing of a great church family to support one another and to grow in love, Father, and we get to see these fruits grow and we get to help one another along the path. Thank you for that. Father, I pray as a community of of faith here, Father, as part of the greater community of faith in Estes Park with all the other churches who are going through this love series, I pray that you will do a work in our hearts, not just our heads. Father, I pray that your word will come alive in us. Show us the opportunity that we have to sacrifice our sinful nature and to pick up a brand new and a better life in than you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. We know that even when we fail at this, you are patient and you're always at work. But Father God, I thank you also that you say that you will bear much fruit in us if we stay with you. So Father, that's our prayer. We want to love you. We want to love you. We want to learn how to love others. And so we thank you. We pray that you would do that work in our hearts now. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.